Welcome to Cancer Conversations, a podcast series from Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. In this episode from September 2015, Dr. Kimmy Eng, Director of Clinical Research for Dana-Farber's Gastrointestinal Cancer Center, discusses topics including diet, exercise, genetics, screening, and more. Ann Dorr from Dana-Farber's Communications Department joins her for the conversation. Okay, Dr. Eng, let's get started. The first question, of course, would be what is the number one thing someone can do to prevent um, getting colon cancer? That is really an important question. Um, We know that colon cancer is a huge problem in the United States right now. Um, Although uh, you might have read that the rates overall of colon cancer are decreasing in recent years and that fewer people are dying from the disease, it still remains the third most common cause of cancer among both men and women. And we do expect almost 135,000 new cases of colon cancer this year in the United States. When you combine men and women together, it is actually the second leading cause of death from cancer uh, in the country. And almost 50,000 deaths are expected from colon cancer in 2015. So clearly it is an important problem and it is very critical to try and find ways to screen and to prevent colon cancer. Luckily, there do seem to be many different options that we have um, to try and prevent this cancer. And uh, these things range from doing various medical tests and procedures to dietary and lifestyle behaviors um, to certain medications that can also be considered. But if I had to come down on one thing uh, that would be most effective in preventing colon cancer, it is to to get your screening. Uh, What are some of the symptoms we should be looking for and would they differ between men and women? So, you know, the the importance of screening is enhanced by the fact that often colon cancer is associated with no symptoms at all. So that just further supports how important it is to be sure uh, to get screening at the appropriate time. But there are some certain characteristic or telltale symptoms that people should be on the lookout for that are commonly associated with um, a subsequent diagnosis of colon cancer. And some of those include seeing blood in the stool, Uh, seeing a difference in the caliber of the stool. So for instance, uh, patients often report having thinner bowel movements or smaller bowel movements than their normal pattern. There could be abdominal cramping or pain, uh, weight loss when you're not trying to lose weight or diet or exercise. Um, And then because some of these cancers do bleed or ooze blood, that can also drop your blood counts and cause anemia. And some of the symptoms commonly associated with anemia include tiredness, fatigue, weakness, or shortness of breath, particularly when you're exerting yourself or doing activities. So if any of these things are occurring and getting worse and not going away, definitely it should be evaluated by a doctor. Okay, great. Uh, What type of diet would you recommend for colon cancer prevention, and are there certain foods we should avoid? So colon cancer is actually the one cancer where diet is most strongly linked as a risk factor for development of the disease. And if you think about it, it makes sense because what you're ingesting in the form of food and diet actually comes into direct contact with your colon and your intestine. Uh, So if there are any potential carcinogens in what we eat, then that could potentially impact the risk of developing colon cancer. So we've studied overall dietary patterns as well as uh, specific components in diet to see if there is any link and whether certain uh, components are protective or detrimental. And what we found is that uh, a Western pattern diet seems to be harmful. So what is in a Western pattern diet? It's a diet characterized by a lot of red meat, processed meats, 
sweets and desserts, um, fried foods like French fries and refined grains. So we've studied individuals who consume a large amount of that type of diet and found that they have a much higher risk of developing colon cancer. And similarly, in patients who have already been diagnosed with colon cancer, uh, that type of diet is associated with a shorter survival. Um, so in terms of uh, components of those diets, what components specifically might be responsible for this link with colon cancer? We've looked at um, the carbohydrate content in food and found that uh, patients who consume a higher amount of carbohydrates seem to have a higher risk of developing colon cancer. The same thing with sugary beverages. Um, and the thought is that all of these foods elicit a higher insulin response in the body, and previous studies have shown that a higher amount of insulin uh, in the body can stimulate uh, cancer development. Also, a diet high in red meat has been shown uh, to significantly increase the risk of developing colon cancer. Um, and on the other hand, a diet high in fiber, for instance, seems to be protective. Uh, you talk about protective. What about uh, a study done here at Dana-Farber about nuts? Can they help? Right, so that was a very interesting study and actually uh, the largest study of its kind that has been done. So that uh, analysis looked at 120,000 healthy individuals and queried them about how much and how often they, they consumed nuts. And what they found was that patients who did, um, or healthy individuals who did eat uh, you know, more nuts more frequently had a, about 20% lower risk of dying from any cause. Um, it seems like the more nuts you eat, the more frequently, the, the bigger the benefit. Um, and when we looked at the specific causes of death, it does seem like eating more nuts can reduce the, the risk of dying from cardiovascular disease specifically, as well as from cancer specifically. And when you say eat nuts, um, is it every day and, and how many, the whole can or? <laughs> so the people who got the most benefits uh, consumed a serving of nuts uh, seven, seven times a week, so probably once a day. Um, but people who consume nuts less frequently, so two or three or four or five times a week also had benefit, but just of a lower magnitude. Uh, and another study done here was showing the benefits of coffee, although this is for um, people who already have colon cancer. Can you tell us a little bit about that study? Sure. So that study looked at about 950 colon cancer patients who had stage 3 disease. All of them had undergone surgery to completely remove their colon tumor and then also underwent a course of postoperative chemotherapy. And during the study, they answered a questionnaire that asked them about various dietary uh, habits and lifestyle factors and medication use. And one of the questions dealt with uh, how many cups of coffee do they drink a day? And what we found was that uh, patients with stage three colon cancer who drank four or more cups of coffee a day seemed to have a, 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 about a 50% decrease in having their cancer come back or dying from their cancer compared to patients who did not drink any coffee at all. And similarly, it seemed like the more coffee you drink, the, the higher the benefit, uh, but people who consumed you know, fewer cups, one or two a day, also did seem to benefit. Uh, tell me about colonoscopy. Everyone always is so afraid to get one, but they always say it's the easiest test what does it involve? So um, for a colonoscopy, uh, you know, in the medical community, that is really the preferred test. It is one of the only screening procedures that can uh, not only prevent colon cancer by removing polyps before they turn into cancer, but also detect cancer at an earlier stage when it's more likely to be treatable and curable. The disadvantages of colonoscopy are that it does involve a pretty, um, you know, uh, burdensome prep uh, prior to the procedure. 
patients do have to undergo anesthesia, commonly conscious sedation, in order to get the procedure. And then if any biopsies or removal of polyps or masses are done, then there theoretically could be a risk of perforation of the colon. Um, it is also an expensive procedure compared to some of the other screening tests out there, but it, overall it is really the best way to try and prevent colon cancer. And on that note, uh, if they do get polyps, if someone did have polyps found during uh, a colonoscopy, uh, can they do anything to prevent them from coming back? So it depends on what type of polyp, but if uh, the type of polyp that is found is the kind that tends to turn into cancer, then it's very important to be on a surveillance program and to be sure to follow up with repeat colonoscopies uh, to make sure that any subsequent polyps are also found uh, at an early stage and removed. Uh, this from a viewer, what, vi what certain vitamins or are there any vitamins or supplements that offer any benefits for colon cancer prevention? So there have been a lot of epidemiologic or association studies that have looked at a variety of different vitamins and supplements to see whether any can be protective against developing colon cancer. And uh, some of the more promising ones include vitamin D, actually. There, uh, you can get vitamin D from sun exposure, you can get it from foods, as well as from supplements that, that you can purchase over the counter. And uh, studies have found that patients who, and individuals, healthy individuals who have higher levels of vitamin D in their blood seem to have a much lower risk of getting colon cancer. Similarly, in patients who are already diagnosed with colon cancer, higher levels of vitamin D in the blood also seem to be associated with a longer survival. Various other supplements that have been looked at include uh, folic acid and calcium, and those do seem to be protective as well, though the data are a bit more conflicting and, uh, and less conclusive. Uh, but it's important to remember that these are just association studies. Uh, we don't have proof of cause and effect yet, and those clinical trials are being done. We know that vitamin D has uh, other health benefits, particularly in maintaining the bones. And so what I often say is, uh, you know, I suggest checking their level in the blood and supplementing them to recommended levels, um, not super high levels, but recommended levels, uh, which may also have the added benefit of helping their colon cancer. Aspirin, does it have any benefit for preventing colon cancer? Yes, so uh, there is a lot of very strong evidence in support of a role for aspirin in preventing colon cancer. Unlike a lot of the dietary and uh, vitamin data that we've been talking about, there, are, there have actually been uh, very good, well-designed, randomized clinical trials comparing aspirin to no aspirin in individuals who already have polyps um, and in people who have hereditary syndromes uh, that lead to colon cancer. And these studies have shown that taking an aspirin can significantly reduce the risk of getting another polyp and of also developing cancer. So in these high-risk individuals, aspirin does seem to have a role. And actually just this month, the United States uh, Preventive Services Task Force came out with a recommendation that uh, individuals ages 50 to 59 who have at least a 10% uh, risk of developing uh, cardiovascular disease over the next 10 years should be on a daily aspirin, uh, both for prevention of heart attacks and strokes and other cardiovascular events, uh, but also to prevent colon cancer. And this, of course, is something you should go over with your doctor. You shouldn't automatically just start taking aspirin. You should talk to you. Yes, that is very important. So it is an over-the-counter uh, medication, but patients should not just start aspirin on their own. 
there are potentially some very serious side effects of bleeding that can occur. And so any decision to start aspirin for prevention purposes should be made in conjunction with their doctor. And it's also important to point out that taking an aspirin does not negate the need for a colonoscopy. So you, you still need that colonoscopy. You gotta go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, are there certain populations that are more at risk for colon cancer? Um, and should they get earlier screenings? So there are certain higher risk groups uh, for which the screening recommendations uh, can be different. So for example, older individuals are more likely to develop colon cancer, and that is why most of the guidelines recommend starting screening when you turn 50. However, we do know that patients or uh, individuals who do have a family history of colon cancer or perhaps a genetic syndrome in their family often develop colon cancer at a younger age. And in those individuals, screening should probably start at an earlier age. We also know that cancers in those types of conditions often develop much faster than in an average risk uh, colon cancer. And so the screening intervals may be more frequent in those patients as well. So pay attention to your family history of the disease. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, can you discuss Lynch syndrome and how it plays a role in uh, colon cancer? So, um, you know, it's important to point out that the vast majority of colorectal cancers are, are not hereditary or directly um, attributed to a genetic syndrome. Only about 5% of all new colon cancers uh, can be traced back to um, a hereditary condition. The most common heredi hereditary condition that can increase the risk of colon cancer is Lynch syndrome. And uh, a suspicion of Lynch syndrome should be raised when there are multiple family members that do have a diagnosis of colon cancer, as well as endometrial or uterine cancer. And oftentimes these cancers develop at a very young age. Lynch syndrome can be diagnosed on the basis of a blood test, and that looks for a mutation in a gene in uh, DNA mismatch repair protein, so the proteins that help fix uh, replication errors when uh, in, in DNA. And uh, if that occurs, then patients should be getting screened, probably starting in their 20s or 30s, mm -hmm. um, and uh, probably annually, at least, with colonoscopies. Wow, so you really have to be on the lookout with Yes. That. Uh, this in from somebody watching, I have a friend who was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer at age 42. With most insurance companies not covering colonoscopies for 40 year olds, what can younger people do to prevent this disease or detect it earlier? So it's a really good question. Um, I would say that people should be vigilant about some of the telltale signs and uh, symptoms that uh, are often associated with colon cancer. And some of the modifiable things we can do in our life, such as uh, not be sedentary, exercise frequently, try to maintain a normal body weight, eat a healthy diet with fruits and vegetables and high fiber, um, don't smoke, uh, don't drink. And uh, you know these are some of the healthy uh, things in lifestyle that can be done to try and reduce the risk. And alcohol is always a big question. Are we talking like one drink a day or is it wine or beer? Is there any limit or? So the data are still conflicting on that, but in general, the recommendations are for women, uh, probably less than a drink a day, and for men, less than two drinks per day. Uh, are there any other cancers that may have a family history link, such as ovarian cancer or stomach cancer? So uh, it, for, for example, in Lynch syndrome, some of the cancers that are associated um, with colon cancer in these Lynch syndrome families include uterine cancer in women, um, but there could also be a higher risk of uh, stomach cancers and esophageal cancers, brain tumors, um, cancers of the bladder and, and urinary tract. And so 
if someone is a Lynch syndrome family, uh, it's important to be under the care of a specialist who is familiar with uh, Lynch syndrome and also that can recommend screening to try and help these people live cancer-free for as long as possible. And what is on the horizon for colon cancer prevention? Uh, studies that are coming up, things that are very important that are happening clinically and in the research department? So I think it's an exciting time uh, for colon cancer prevention. It's obviously a very important area of research. I think over the next few years, we will understand a lot more about um, the role of diet and lifestyle in prevention, and as well as perhaps in treatment of patients who have already been diagnosed uh, with colon cancer. So uh, we've mentioned a lot of very strong supporting evidence uh, and associations of various diets and lifestyle factors with uh, colon cancer. And now there are actually very well-designed uh, large prevention trials that are going on to try and establish a cause and effect relationship. So there are trials studying high, higher dose vitamin D to see if that can actually prevent development of colon cancer. There are trials of aspirin to try and see if that is something that should be routinely done to prevent colon cancer. And then there are also uh, trials of exercise that are being done to see if uh, exercising more uh, may be protective. Um, similarly, we are working on ways to, to better and earlier detect colon cancer. So there is research into you know, more advanced techniques to better find polyps on colonoscopy, for instance, and there are also, also efforts to develop a blood test that may detect colon cancer. What was it that attracted you to, to study um, GI or gastrointestinal cancers? So I, I liked the, the variety of cancers that I would have to treat and manage. And um, although many of these cancers are curable, there just is so much unknown. And uh, many times survival is not as good as we would like for these patients. And so I felt like going into this field and really conducting research in this field can hopefully make a big impact on the prognosis for my patients. And last question, how long should older patients keep getting colonoscopies? So the guidelines differ, and some societies don't specify an age at which, at which to stop, but um, uh, the guidelines generally say up to age 75. Uh, people should definitely be getting screened between the ages of 50 and 75. But in general, I think a, a general rule of thumb is if your life expectancy is expected to be um, 10 years or more, it probably makes sense to, to keep screening. And there's still treatment for, for seniors, for people, even uh, Jimmy Carter, who was diagnosed with melanoma, I mean, they, he's 90 years old and he was going in for treatment, so. Yeah, age is, it shouldn't be the only factor that determines whether or not someone should get treatment. It's really how healthy they are, uh, whether they have comorbidities and how active and strong they still are. And many elderly people do have a very good performance status and can definitely tolerate the same treatments that a younger person can. Thank you, Dr. Ang, there's some great information. I really appreciate it. Happy to be here, thank you. This has been Dana-Farber's Cancer Conversations, featuring Dr. Kimmy Ang of Dana-Farber's Gastrointestinal Treatment Center. To download more episodes and learn about other cancer podcast series, visit DanaFarber.org slash podcasts.